And the Pittsburgh Steelers legend Santonio Holmes with us here from PBKC. Santonio, good to see you again, man. Last time I saw you was the uh, Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl luncheon, and then the whole world fell apart shortly thereafter that. It's good to be in person with you again, and I have to imagine draft night brings back a lot of memories for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, just putting on the headset brings back a lot of memories, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to flashbacks of uh, football and um, you know, doing interviews, you know, afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, man, this is a very special night, you know, for these young men. Uh, they're, they're about to endure, you know, a lifetime yep. of, uh, you know, happiness. And, um, you know, some people may, uh, you know, be a little disappointed in themselves for, for getting you know, not getting drafted in the first round. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's about what you bring to the table and, um, you know, how you present yourself uh, uh, approaching this business. It's uh, no longer just a game. It's mm-hmm. no longer just football. Uh, you're no longer going to class and meetings. You're, you're combining that with your entire day, you know, uh, uh, that you're going to be spending at this office uh, for the next, you know, three to five or, you know, however many years you do uh, at this point. So um, being, being able to approach it, you know, with, with the mindset of uh, I'm, I'm going to be the best businessman I could possibly be, uh, is, is, it should be the mindset. Oh, on your draft night, as you're preparing – uh, were you nervous? Because you're not – I've, I've known you for quite a while, and you're not uh, lacking confidence. Uh, were you nervous? Did you, did you know kind of what to expect during the night? Like, were you uh, stressing over what to wear? How did that whole thing go down for San Antonio Holmes? Uh, I wasn't stressing about being drafted in the first round. It was more so stressing about – when was I going to get picked and where was I sure, going to go? Sure, uh, Hearing, you know, talks of you being a, a number one receiver, you know, taking in the top ten pick to you being, you know, in the middle of the first round to, you know, landing, you know, late in the, in the, in the first round. Um, I was super excited just to be drafted. Uh, yeah. I sat down with my mom and, and my kids at the time, and I just realized that this was going to be a moment that's going to change, you know, all sure. of our lives forever. Sure. So uh, whatever happens on this night, you know, I, I'm just going to be ready for it. And I held back my emotions, you know, as much as I could. But the tears of joy, I think they, they slid out uh, right <laughs> after, you know, I got that, uh, that, that phone call sure. saying, you know, this is it. How much for people being drafted is the nerves of – because we never look at it as fans of – you know, we're going to pick where we live to work our jobs. We don't get right. picked to go move somewhere and go. How much is it like, oh, man, am I going to end up in Buffalo or not to just throw <laughs> out a city or am I going to end up in some other city that you may not like? How much does that go into the nerves? Oh, it plays a big part in how you approach the game, you know, because this is your life now. This is, this is going to determine where you spend the rest, you know, these next four years, uh, how you, you perform in this place because if the city – doesn't embrace you you know how do you embrace it how do you you feel wanted when the city is already you know in such a a a disaster or whatnot uh makes it a little bit difficult on you know how your nerves are going to feel during that time because you're expecting to be in the best place because this is your moment of of your life this is the draft this is what everybody wants to be a part of if you're playing a professional uh sport is to just to you know show up in the draft and 
it, it really does matter, you know, where these guys uh, end up playing at. Yeah, I spent 36 hours in Buffalo. I couldn't imagine getting drafted there. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, if the uh, Buffalo Bills would have took me in the top five pick, you guess what? You're going to Buffalo. Buffalo yep. Bills. Yep. Sign me up. I'll handle the snow. Uh, San Antonio Holmes with us. Pittsburgh Steelers legend. We are at PBKC Paddock Restaurant, their NFL draft party. San Antonio, always good to us here at ESPN 106.3. He's hanging out with us here uh, at PBKC. Uh, I want to pick your Ohio State brain because Coquel and I, we, I know Trevor Lawrence is going number one, but I think from top to bottom, full intangibles, athleticism, arm, intelligence on the field, and ability, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this draft. I, I think he's a stud. I called his first ever game at Ohio State when FAU went up there. The dude runs a 4-3-4-4-40 as a quarterback and has huge arm strength. Uh, but also, there are some mock drafts that have him falling into maybe the teens, potentially. What do you make of Justin Fields and things that have been said about him and the type of quarterback he is? Uh, first and foremost, um, the draft is 90% built on what one specific team needs. Sure, that's a good it's point. It's not about yeah. whatever guy is still on the board uh, at whatever particular time. The, the teams have decided who would be where at whatever particular time, and it's a business yeah. and, and, and from there. So if Justin Fields is on the, on the board, you know, in this particular team, see that this is a great business move for them to make, um, they're going to they're gonna make it. Um, but when I think about Justin Fields and what I saw from him, you know, playing at Ohio State and how he came in and, you know, took control and leadership of the team uh, in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans to playing in front of no fans. Uh, he, he was still that, that complete quarterback that uh, no matter what elements, uh, you know, were thrown at him and obstacles, he was able to overcome mm -hmm. them. And you didn't have to hear Justin Fields talk. Everyone now is doing the talking for Justin Fields. Sure. And if that is the case for an individual, um, actions have been spoken louder than those words that have came from the horse's mouth because the horse did its job to be the front runner, you know, in this position right yep. now. And the success of his uh, his lustrous, you know, college career uh, has allowed him to be able in position right now yeah. to endure a lifetime, you know, worth of happiness. To me, that speaks for itself. And uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick, as far as thick skin is concerned in this process, because there's a lot of people not you that say a lot of things. You had criticisms coming out of Ohio State back in 2006. Do you take those things personally? Did you try to avoid all that? What was the pre-draft lead-up like for you from that standpoint? I listened to a lot of the negative criticism and the positive. Uh, I worked on the things that were talked about that weren't seen mm -hmm. uh, from me. And I think it made me a complete wide receiver. Um, my performance uh, in production over my, my career uh, shows that 60, 70 guys ahead of me with the number of stats that I have could not put up the kind of numbers that I had put up. Sure, sure. Now, you played in major markets in Pittsburgh and then in New York, big-time sports markets. 
How much does Ken brings up having thick skin? How much does that play in? Because, again, I'm going to go back to being a Jets fan. Jets are taking Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. I don't get it. It's going to bother me all he night. He looks like I, he's going to prom yeah, tonight. Looks, <laughs> just, it's going to drive me. My whole night's ruined already. <laughs> Jets have two first-rounders, but night's uh, ruined. But how much does that play into picking someone? Or Is it a real thing, or is that something that us in the media want to feel like we have an impact by saying, I don't know if they can handle our media market? <laughs> uh, the media market, um, they're going to sell what needs to be sold. And if the cards play into their favor, they're going to win always because majority always wins. Yep. And if there's enough people behind backing either or, whichever side the cards play on yep. is what's going to win. Yep. Um, having thick skin and understanding that you are always out to beat the odds, that's the reason why these individuals are in the position they are. Because when you do the math and numbers don't lie, that over 300-ish thousand individuals are playing high school football every year. Yeah. Over yep. 30,000 of them make it to be on Division One college uh, uh, campuses. But then it breaks down to 3,000 guys maybe entering their senior year want to go into the draft to only 300, two, less than 300 guys getting drafted. And to be one of those ones that you've always – had to have the thickest of skin to defeat all odds that have been thrown in, in your way to be in the position that you're in. You know how to overcome it all, Ray. Absolutely. And 10 of those 30 are probably from Belle Glade. Ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Hey, the numbers don't lie. That's right. They do not lie. <laughs> Santonio Holmes, one of those products of Bell Glade with us here. PBKC Paddock Restaurant, uh, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, there is a big-time crop of receivers in this draft, and the Dolphins, we'll talk about them in a moment here uh, later on in the show. Uh, they are likely, likely going to get a wide receiver whether it be Jamar Chase, unless he goes to Cincinnati, reunites with Joe Burrow, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, outstanding Alabama receiver, Jalen Waddell also in the discussion. Uh, the the modern-day receiver, uh, especially youngsters like this, how different are they? What is the difference playing receiver now than, than when you played even the late stages of your career? Is there a difference? Uh, there's a big difference in the game today. Um there are four and five receivers lining up on a football field uh, every time during this day and age. Yeah, yeah. And it plays into the quarterback's hands that this is the style that, that people want to see, you know, happen. Um, back when I was watching football in the 80s and 90s, there were only two receivers on the football field, and you had to be one of those best guys to, to get on that, really in that position. Really had to earn that, yeah. So to know how it plays out today, I'm a little disappointed in the, <laughs> uh, in the outcome, but it's, uh, it's given more opportunities to the game uh, uh, because there are so many receivers that, uh, that, that play this position and don't get an opportunity to really play this game. So the transformation of how uh, the organizations have put it on uh, the receivers to now become, you know, more prominent players in this game, uh, allowed the defensive backs more opportunities to get, mm -hmm. you know, drafted and uh, picked up. And, and sure. uh, they're always on the clock, you know, always. Uh, if you're if you haven't been drafted, 
uh, somebody can go down and if you're still on that that team's draft board uh, from the year before or whatnot, you know, they still have an opportunity to come after you. So the way the game has expanded to That's an interesting way to put it. I've never thought about it from that standpoint, but you're exactly right. Coquel? I'm just looking at Ryan Day's beard dye job on one of the million TVs here in the Paddock restaurant. I'm not taking fields anymore because because of that bad (laughs) dye job he's got. That's embarrassing. Coach, come on now. Uh, I want to wrap with this, Antonio, and uh, I'm glad you're here. Someone who was a longtime veteran, someone who uh, earned his money, got his money, was able to cash in in free agency as well. Um, But there is a a situation brewing now in Green Bay with an established veteran, not only an established veteran, but a future Hall of Famer, where he basically has said, hey, I don't owe you guys anything anymore. I want out. I don't like the way things have been run. I feel like you haven't maximized what I am. I am Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, fans are going to say, fine, whatever. He cries. What a crybaby. Fine. Bye. See ya. That standpoint is funny to me, though, because Aaron Rodgers is, in my mind, still the best quarterback in the NFL and does things no other quarterback can do. When you see this happening now, it seems like there's a stalemate between one of the most popular players in NFL history and one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. You, NFL veteran, who has seen a lot of things and been in a lot of locker rooms and talked with a lot of front office members, you think what? Hearing uh, Aaron Rodgers' situation in understanding his uh his cry for help uh, we as players don't get an opportunity to really voice ourselves because we value the opinion of our peers but we also respect how the media engages mm-hmm. in the confrontation to enhance all types of media it's scrutinized from the way it's being said or when it's being said or how it's being said, but at the end of the day, it's the same words, whether they were said softly, whether they were said sure. nicely, they were said. or they were said. Yeah. You know? yeah. So when you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers' situation, um, he has the right to demand you know, what, what he likes, and uh, if there's a team that is willing to put up you know, with that attitude and understand that this is the, the attitude that you want of a champion, someone that wants to build and wants to win, that's going to continue fighting, um, his play has spoken enough for who he is and how uh, he's going to get down to business no matter what team he plays for. He has already opened up that gate to let every team know, you know, at this point that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open. And, open for uh, business. I think, uh, can know, he go back in that locker room? Uh, yes, he can go back in that locker room. Does the players because don't get mad, they don't get offended? Or, is it, or does everyone accept that that's the business side, this is the locker room side? Uh, yes. It's, like I said, it's a media thing. When it, when it yeah. becomes a question now that you're asking, every man has to fend for himself at the end of the day because the media is not going to fend for him to make sure his check and his kids are paid or they're fed or they're, they're closing their back or their school they're going to. No one's concerned about that. We're only concerned about what the he said, who got the first news said and whatnot. And that's never the case between the players in the locker room. It's understanding how you respect the individual for what they're, what they're doing. The situation, you know, having Ryan Clark, uh, you know, speak for ESPN, he has a great voice for understanding mm-hmm. what to talk about and how to talk about sure. it. He understands that those things were never confrontated in, in our locker room. But when it comes to him reiterating the, how it should be interpreted on the media, 
this is who you're going to get. You're going to get his side of his version of how it should be or what it what it could be, you know, yeah. in any situation. So uh, us as players, we understand that what happens in the locker room, it's about business. And uh, at the end of the day, any organization in the front office, they're going to write the checks or sign the checks or, you know, cancel the checks or <laughs> void the checks, you yeah. know, yeah. to whoever they want to. So they have the right to do that. And is every it, player uh, has a right. Is it accurate to say that uh, in a hypothetical Green Bay Packers wide receiver, Santonio Holmes would welcome Aaron Rodgers back into that locker room with open arms? Oh, no doubt about it because he's coming <laughs> back to win. He That's ain't right. coming back here for none of the BS with the media. Uh, he's going to avoid all that confrontation by going out and playing his hardest and showing up to practice and inviting the guys over to his house and uh, doing the things that he's been doing to keep these uh, receivers, you know, happy and healthy uh, and playing with him, you know, up until this point. He wouldn't even want to leave. You should have seen what the flight boys did for the Jets when Antonio was there. That's right. Everybody wanted to be a part of that. That's right. I miss those guys, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Jericho, Cotri, Brad Smith. Uh, Braylon. Uh, oh, my God. You guys dude. were fun. There was I a fun team. Guys, it was exciting. Man. Yes, we had so much fun. Uh, I know you won a lot with the Steelers, but, man, your Jets your Jets run was fun. Oh, yeah, we had three good years. We really did. Uh, it was some fun times. You know? Santoni- I missed that defense, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Going up against those guys in practice. That was a nice day. luxury to <laughs> have. Man, hey. <laughs> those guys were set up to win, you know, at all costs, and I did. I just didn't understand it. It was so difficult to beat that defense in practice yeah. uh, to then understanding how uh, Coach Ryan and um, and those guys had that defense rocking, you know, for the Jets for the, for that long. Uh, your guy, speaking of your guy, Bart Scott, uh, comes on after us here on ESPN. Can't wait. Yep. And he, uh, <laughs> he was – Trevor Lawrence had come out with the Sports Illustrated uh, feature where he said, like, oh, I don't, I don't really manufacture chip on my shoulder. Like, football is great, but it's not, it's not something that I absolutely need. And Bart Scott was saying, man, if that rookie came into my locker room and said that, I got, I got mouths to feed. I got family members to help. I'd slap him right in the face. He'd find like, that chip. I'm like, man, Listen, that's the Jets. That's yeah. that Jets personality right there. When you, well, that's that's the Bart Scott of the Baltimore Ravens. That's the attitude that yeah. a guy that is fighting for his life, playing that Southern Illinois, to you know not being drafted to playing, you know what, 30 years in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. like Bart Scott dedicated his life to this, to to understanding that you know I can do this game and. And you're coming here saying you don't really have a chip on your shoulder that this isn't. No, I, I need you to come in you here and want to one. feed yeah. every freaking mouth in here because yep. it's your responsibility as the head as the head quarterback to lead this team. So therefore, my mouth is being de- dependent on on how you you perform. Yep. So I need you to come in here with a chip on your shoulder. So to take that one, you know, he definitely has the right to say you know that at all costs. That you don't allow a rookie to want. Uh, to come in with that kind of mindset that your attitude should be to come in here and win. Yep. We're not here in college to build four-year relationships, you know, with friends and teach them how to play the game. This no, is this is a straight-up business. Yep. From the day you sign this, this uh, they, they sign your name on that draft card, this is, this is a business. From that day on, you are under the business microscope now. You're not under a college microscope where someone's out here prospecting to see if you got potential. No, you're going to either make this thing happen or you're going to be cut, period. There is no – it's pretty black and white. It's <laughs> no pretty black it. and white. Uh, Santonio, awesome to uh, to catch up with you. Thank you for hanging out with us, and thank you for being here. Uh, Santonio Holmes, always great. And, again, he had, he had his draft night back in 2006, first round to Pittsburgh out of Ohio State. And uh, 
had a damn good NFL career. He's got the Super Bowl ring. He's got the Super Bowl MVP. We talked about the Fly Boys. What a resume for Santonio Holmes. And, uh, and again, thank you for always being good to us at ESPN 106.3. So uh, have a great rest of the night, and we'll catch up soon, okay? All right. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me on, man. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity. Uh, just to sit down and just share you know, a moment in my life and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to seeing some excited faces tonight and, uh, you know, good luck to these guys in their careers moving forward. And, um, you know, shout out to, to Steeler Nation. You know, here we go. Love it. Building. Uh, and, um, yes, Ohio State Buckeyes that are, that are getting drafted. Um, you know, to the guys that, that may not get drafted uh, tonight, you know, continue to set your mark just as you did uh, the day you came in to be a Buckeye. Uh, continue with that same kind of fight and uh, attitude and um, you know I wish everybody well and I hope some of these kids uh, get paid and make some moms happy. The pride of the muck, the pride of Bell Glade, the pride of Glade Central, San Antonio Holmes with us here at PBKC. Back with more after this. He's Coquel, I'm Ken Levick and we're live on ESPN 106.3.